Who is God calling you to be? What is your purpose? Who is God calling you to be no matter the season of life that you find yourself in, no matter the joys and concerns, whatever is swirling around? Who is God calling you to be this day and every day? And we ask that question in all kinds of ways. We're asking that question every time we are struggling with, does it even matter what I do? Does it even matter if I'm helping out? What's the purpose of me being here? We ask this and struggle with this because it's tied to our belonging. Because all of us, and I said this last week, all of us just want to be loved and to belong. And so as we dig into this question of who is God calling you to be this day, each and every one of us, we're going to look into Acts, the second chapter. And Acts 2 is tied to the celebration of Pentecost. In fact, you can probably see behind me a little bit of what we've got going on here in the sanctuary this morning of going, all right, we are going to celebrate. And Pentecost is all about the celebration of who God is calling us to be individually and as a community, as a church. It is understood that Pentecost is like the birthday of the church. And it is tied to the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. And so as we move through the scripture this morning, as it's one of those things where we're often reading this passage at this time of year, of really digging into it from a place of, okay, who was God calling the apostles to be, but who is God calling me to be today in the situation, the context that each of us find ourselves in? So beginning in Acts, the second chapter, verses 1 through 4. When Pentecost Day arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound from heaven like the howling of a fierce wind filled the entire house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be individual flames of fire alighting on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. All right, so right off. Right there with the suddenly a sound from heaven like the howling of a fierce wind filled the entire house. This image of wind, right? It's something we can't see, but it is powerful. Wind can knock down our strongest of buildings. Wind can turn corners and fill rooms. And we only see the effects of the wind. We never really see the wind. And so this sense of something powerful, something wonderful, something that fills the every square inch of the space that the disciples find themselves in is filled with the presence of God. And it's one of the, the great metaphors for the Holy Spirit, this sense of wind. And to think about that, of how powerful that is, to, how inspiring and energizing to think of that the Spirit of God could fill every inch of where we are and even ourselves. And then, and then it goes on to say, right, they saw what seemed to be individual flames of fire alighting on each one of them. Again, flames. The smallest of flames, right? The flame of a candle, a single candle, can be seen in the darkest of nights 
from so far away that that single flame can ignite something amazing, that it can give that warmth that we might need when we feel so cold and alone. And here, not only do we get a sense of that force of inspiring that wind, but now we get how the flame is recognized, how the Spirit of God is being recognized in each of the individuals that are present. Each of the individuals, it's like, wait a minute, there's something happening with them, and it does. It goes on to say, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. They are so overtaken in this moment with the presence of God. They are so filled that at this moment, they actually begin to speak. They begin to communicate in new ways. They are so filled with the Spirit of God, they are communicating with one another in new ways, in ways that are unexpected, that had not been realized before. And to think about that for ourselves, of who is God calling us to be? That whoever God is calling us to be, however God is changing us, working in us, filling us, that there is an aspect here that who God is calling us to be will change how we communicate with one another. So when we are in our day-to-day, when we are at work or at home, how often when we're struggling with that belonging, with who are we called, what is my purpose, how often are we willing to think about the ways that we communicate, to be so filled with God that we begin to change the way that we respond and to react to situations, to events, to others. Continuing on in verses 14 through 18 and 22, Peter stood with the other 11 apostles. He raised his voice and declared, Judeans and everyone living in Jerusalem, know this. Listen carefully to my words. These people aren't drunk, as you suspect. After all, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. Rather, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young will see visions, your elders will dream dreams, even upon my servants, men and women. I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. So continuing on, heavy metaphor about what does it mean for God's presence? How does it begin to change how we interact, who we are, who God is calling us to be? And we get this even further with this thing with Peter quoting Joel. And Joel here, it's a really powerful passage. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, that my presence is with everyone. Everyone, whether you think it should be or not, that all the divisions that we have in this world, that we do based upon differences, instead of seeing our differences as something unique and God-given to build up our communities, But instead, those things that we allow to divide, no. God is giving the Spirit to everyone. No one is separated from God. And here's what happens. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Now, that term prophesy, we so often want to go, it's predicting the future. But the word prophecy and the prophets, when we're reading through the prophets in the Old Testament, What we notice, actually, is how real they are about the situation at hand. Like, they're like, 
this is not good. Here is why, here's how we need to change. Here's what needs to happen going forward because they are so in tune with what's happening and what is of God and what is not of God. And so to think about that, uh, that sense of being real about where we are in the muck of life, where maybe we feel that despair, where we let that, those things of bubble and bubble up of division, of, of anger, of outrage, of despair, that sense of we got to know where we are before we move forward. And so here with Joel, it's beginning to state that and that it's with everyone, men and women, all people. Continuing on, it goes into your young will see visions. Your young, that sense of vision, of there is a new way forward, and there are going to be those who are going, wait a minute, when we are filled with the Spirit of God, when God's presence is with us, we are able to change course because we've had the prophecy part that says, here's the situation at hand. And then we're going to have others who say, wait a minute, we got to go in a new direction. We've got to change course. There is a way forward, no matter the situation that we are in. So there will be some who are called to be real about the situation. There will be others who are called to be like, wait a minute, here's the way forward. And then this line, your elders will dream dreams that it does not matter your age. It does not matter your status in the community, in society. It doesn't matter your status in your household, in your family, that it doesn't matter whether you think I'm at the end of my life or not. This sense of your elders will dream dreams of saying, wait a minute, there are going to be those who say these are the possibilities at hand that we can change, that there is a vision for a way forward and we can begin to go down that road. And here's how it's that sense of leaving space for possibility, no matter who one is. And so to think about that, to think about those aspects for ourselves, that as God is calling each of us to be something unique in the context that we find ourselves, calling us to react, calling us to action. How are these aspects coming in? How is that aspect of prophecy or vision or dreaming dreams? How are those aspects of being willing to change and to be willing to go forward, of making space for new possibilities, of being able to say, no, 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 there's still hope. I get that the world keeps telling you to despair and everything's falling apart, but there most certainly is hope. And so to think about those things as we look at and think about and try to understand who is God calling me to be in the particular context I find myself, how are those playing in to how I make a decision of how you decide to go forward? Because for all of us, all of us at some point have to begin to figure out that path. But what are we listening to? What are we noticing? How are we incorporating that sense of communicating in new ways and in the ways that God talks about the possibilities Continuing on in verses 36 through 39. Therefore, let all Israel know beyond question that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the crowd heard this, they were deeply troubled. They said to Peter and the other disciples, 
Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, change your hearts and lives. Each of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, your children, and all who are far, as many as the Lord our God invites. All right, so Peter is on a roll. He's trying to inspire. He's trying to encourage. He's trying to energize the people around that there is a different way of living that when we are looking at, when we are studying, trying to follow Jesus, there begins to be a different way of looking and acting in the world, that there begins to be a change in our every single day because we've allowed room for new possibilities, because we're getting a sense of who we are called to be be when we are aligned with God, when we are brought into this community. And it's kind of interesting because as he's speaking, the people, they got to get start to get nervous. They're like, uh-oh, like, huh, I got a little bit of baggage in my life. Like, oh, I like what you're saying, Peter, but this makes me kind of uncomfortable. What do we have to do to get to what you are saying? And Peter gives this sense of change your hearts and lives. All right, so change is hard. We all know it. Change is uncomfortable. We also happen to know that in the moment that when we're willing to do something uncomfortable in the short term, that often it can pay off in the long term. It's kind of like exercising. Like, it's not the most pleasant of thing in the moment, but long term, we know that it is good. And so this moment of going, okay, we've got to think about how in our lives, what needs to change? What needs to be changing about our practices, our behaviors, the way that we are moving in our jobs and our homes? What needs to begin to change? And then he says this, each one of you must be baptized in the name of, the, of Jesus Christ. That sense of baptism. Baptism is all about community. It's a sign and seal of God's grace that we are part of a community. Because it can be daunting to think about changing our lives, going at this world alone, right? Because we all want to belong. And so here, baptism is actually an invitation into community of saying, wait a minute, we're going to encourage one another. We're going to help one another because it's tied to the way Jesus lived. It's tied to the way that Jesus was like, hey, you guys need to love one another. You guys need to be that healing presence in the world. You need to be strengthening one another. That sense of he was always feeding, strengthening people, bringing people together. And so here... Here, Peter's like, okay, here's some ways to do it. Here's at the very beginning of thinking about who are we surrounding ourselves with? Who are we making sure that we are in community with? And then it goes on to say, for the forgiveness of sins. And that's kind of interesting because forgiveness, all of us, all of us need to be forgiven because none of us are perfect. All of us need to let go of something. All of us are also challenged to forgive others, to forgive situations, to let go of. And then this sense for sins, for the forgiveness of sins, sins just means mark, those things that mark our lives. To be able to let go and say, wait a minute, the baggage of my past is no longer going to dictate my future because I am connected to this community. I belong to Christ. I belong to the one who says grace is constantly extended. Last week I gave 
uh, the way Brene Brown has defined grace is grace means that all of your mistakes now serve a purpose instead of serving shame. That sense of we get to be invited into something that really is life changing. And so we begin to take these little steps. And so as we're thinking about who is God calling me to be, who is God calling you to be this day? How do these things begin to play in? What are the things we need to let go of? What are the things we need to be like, wait a minute, I need to be surrounding myself with different people. I need to be surrounding myself with those who are very intentional about being that encouragement, about saying, wait a minute, we got to focus on love and not the despair, not the division, not the anger and the outrage and how everything is falling apart. But instead, how are we focused on saying, wait a minute, we all belong. We are all worthy and loved by God. Be part of a community that extends grace and forgiveness to one another, that says the marks of our lives do not have to define us any longer. They now serve a purpose for something amazing. They now serve a purpose in the way we can encourage one another. Continuing on in verses 40 through 43. With many other words, he testified to them and encouraged them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Those who, accept, who accepted Peter's message were baptized. God brought about 3,000 people into the community on that day. The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals, and to their prayers. A sense of awe came over everyone. God performed many wonders and signs through the apostles. All right, so we get this sense. Peter, he's trying to encourage. With many other words, he testified to them and encouraged them. That everything he's trying to do is trying to encourage them in a new way of living and being, of saying, wait a minute, who is God calling you to be in this time with all of these amazing things, these gifts, these abilities, these blessings that God gives us, these ways that God shows us through the life of Jesus to live? He's encouraging them. And then this line, and maybe this sentence kind of stopped you and you were like, wait a minute, what? Be saved from this perverse generation. All right, so to be saved is connected to this sense of, wait a minute, we can turn away from, which is actually the, the definition of repentance. We can turn away from, and we don't have to allow certain things to control us any longer. So what should we be leery of? Who do we need to turn away from? Who do we need to say, you know what? I don't want to be a part of that anymore. Is it we turn away from those who are consumed by greed, by power, by using power to manipulate? Are we turning away from those who say it'll never get any better? God can never cross these divides. Are we turning away from those who sit in despair or are only concerned about living in the past? Are we turning away from those who are all about, well, if it's good for me, that doesn't mean I think you should have it. Are we turning away from those who are absolutely willing to accept grace for themselves but refuse to extend it to anyone else? 
Who are we turning away from that is really detrimental and toxic to our lives? And what are we turning to? What are we willing to devote ourselves to? Because it goes on. It's not, it's, it's about recognizing of what we need to leave behind, be saved from this perverse generation, but it also has us turning to the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals, and to their prayers. So they're like, wait a minute, okay, how do I begin to live this? This isn't a one day, I got it, I checked all the boxes, but instead it's like coming into community and saying, how can we understand this for today's time? How can we understand living Jesus' way in our home, work life, in, uh, with our friends. It's about coming together as a community and sharing with one another. They shared their meals and they prayed for one another. That sense, again, of sharing of meals, that they were able to nourish and strengthen one another through their very presence and that they prayed for each other. So a sense of devote, what are we devoting ourselves to? That God is calling us to devote ourselves to things that actually help us thrive. It may be uncomfortable, it may be difficult in the short term, but we need to turn away from those quick fixes and begin to devote ourselves to things that are willing to transform our lives, to lead us in directions we never thought possible before. So that sense of who is God calling you to be this day? Who is God calling you to be that turns away from certain things and turns towards and devotes ourselves, devotes you to something new, to something life-giving? Finishing up in verses 44 through 47. All the believers were united and shared everything. They would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute proceeds to everyone who needed them. Every day they met together in the temple and ate in their homes. They shared food with gladness and simplicity. They praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. The Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. All the believers were united and shared everything. A sense of gratitude, a sense of generosity, a sense of, hey, wait a minute, we are all in this life together, and how can we encourage and support each other in ways that before they could have never imagined? Been like, yeah, no, you're not cool. You don't hold the same beliefs. You don't, you don't look like me. You, no, we're on opposite ends of the spectrum. And here, it's a sense of bringing together against, uh, bringing together no matter the differences, right? No matter the differences that we have, because those differences can be used to build a unique and wonderfully strong community instead of divided out. And so here they are coming together in generosity and gratitude. Generosity and gratitude. They would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. They became very in tune with the needs of each other. They became in tune with the needs of their community of how not only could they respond for themselves, but respond to one another. Back to that communication piece. They began to communicate and connect in new and different ways. And so as we're thinking about who God is calling us to be, how is generosity and gratitude a piece of it? How is being in tune with one another's needs? Because if you notice, right, this isn't who is God calling you to be as in your job title, but who is God calling you to be no matter where you are? 
no matter where you are in this world or the season, the joys or the concerns, the great challenges, who is God calling you to be? And how is that sense of gratitude and generosity playing a part? How are you cultivating that, not just for yourself, but for others? How are we paying attention to each other's needs? What are we devoting and encouraging each other to devote ourselves to in this world? They shared food with gladness and simplicity. They praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. It was that sense of we're trying. We're trying as a community. We all belong. We all have a purpose. And when we are together in that, when we are trying to figure it out with one another, we come to new possibilities, new ways of navigating this world, new ways of moving forward that maybe we had never thought about before. And so as you think about for yourself, who is God calling you to be this day? With all of these different gifts and abilities that God has given, with all these different things that God calls us to engage in in this work, of how God calls us to be that encouragement, to have that gratitude, to leave room for possibilities, to let that grace wash over us, to know that forgiveness, and to let go. How will we allow those things to be part of who God is calling us to be this day? How will we allow Acts 2, this celebration, how will we each allow ourselves to be called? How will you be called by God? Who will you be called by God to be this day? Amen.